0: Welcome to Cannabis Business Minds Podcast with your host, Simone Samaluka radzins Join me where I'll take you inside the ins and outs of this brand new and exciting business called cannabis. Connect with me on Kalagia.com and follow us on social media as well. And here's today's show. Welcome back. To another season of Cannabis Business Minds. This is the fourth season and thanks for bearing with me for what seemed to me minutes, but was a year uh, without the last podcast. And, you know, so much has happened within that last year. You know, personally, I'm sure all of you have very many things that, you know, have gone on in your career and your lives and um, would love to know about them. And you know, business-wise in the cannabis industry, we have seen some incredible growth. We've seen the Farm Bill pass at the end of 2018. Yeah, we're still talking 2018 here. It's been a while. Uh, we've seen more and more states introduce medical and adult use um, cannabis reform and, and legislation. We saw Illinois at the beginning of 2020 open its first uh, First week of adult use medical sales with hitting close to 20 million um, in revenue, surpassing much of um, much of the other states that have legalized, right? And so we continue to see movement and evolution into the cannabis industry. And that evolution and movement is so fascinating, right? We are seeing this growth, and we are seeing in California in other states that have legalized this struggle that is happening at the same time as this perceived growth. And we forget because in twenty five in 2025, we're expected to see about 30, excuse me, 30 billion of a market industry. That's significant. And I'll go double check myself because it seems that significant, right? And we're seeing this massive growth. And with that massive growth comes consumption. And with that massive consumption, Yes, comes dollars into people's pocketbooks, but because there's such massive consumption and packaging in the cannabis industry is a requirement by, you know, regulation and not just, you know, this cute little packaging, we're talking child resistant, child proof, almost nobody can open it type of packaging. We're seeing the environment, the environmental impact of cannabis really start impacting the environment. And so we think about conscious decisions as consumers. Where will we be buying this? How will this impact not only myself, but the world? And the next guests that we have are two business owners. It's a family-run business based in Southern California. They've been running their business since 2013. And they have the mission to smoke the ocean clean. And we're going to talk about on this podcast podcast episode really, what does that mean? (laughs) How can they do this? And what are the impacts right now of packaging and plastic into our environment? And if you haven't read anything, make sure that you head on over to uh, Caligia Cannabis Business Minds, because I've got a lot of statistics to show you. And we'll talk about them on the podcast, but we have to make better decisions as consumers. We have to make better decisions as business owners of what we're doing and how that impacts the environment. And so please stay tuned for this episode of Cannabis Business Minds because we're going to talk about the environment. We're going to talk about packaging. We're going to talk about this business and their entrepreneurial story behind it. And of course, we couldn't not talk about California because we've seen this crazy state go from uh, you know no regulation to full regulation and now we're th- Almost three years into it, and we're going to talk about that impact that it's had on this business. So stay tuned. Super excited that you are joining Canada's Business Minds. So this is, I think, you know, what really caught my eye was back in November, I got some release from Alec about um, the ribbons. And how much like between November and December, how much ribbon is used and how that really impacts the, the environment.
1: Okay.
0: And I, had ne- I was in LA for a long time and working in the cannabis space down there, but I never had heard of um, your brand or your company before. And so I started just like kind of just getting a little bit obsessed because of all the things that have been happening with the environment and how we don't talk about it enough. And I wanted to get you on to kind of explain. I mean, you have a fascinating, I think you have a fascinating story. I think you know you do because you've been in this space since 2013. You've got a big mission. And, you know, the whole goal is to understand, like, why'd you start this? Like, who are you guys? Why'd you start this company? And um, just kind of talk about from that idea to today in in 40 minutes. so i guess like we could start like who are you both
2: i'm patrick
1: and my name is mary
2: yeah and we have uh, just had our anniversary
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 24 years married yep. oh
0: congratulations that's that's very it's a big accomplishment yeah
1: yeah thank you so i have three
2: kids and um like you said we started this in 2013 yeah um We actually, at that time, um, didn't have a lot of money. We were being uh, evicted from our our place. And we started into uh, the cannabis industry. We started making edibles um, and selling them in 2013 just um, because it was something that we could do to Mm -hmm. make money. And lo and behold, everybody loved Mary's Carmel. (laughs) (laughs) a <laughs> yeah. big hit. The dispensaries loved them. The patients loved them. And everyone loved the caramels that she made. So that's kind of how we got started yeah. doing it.
1: Really? Yeah, and, but, and then he would go out and sell them. And yeah. we would put them in glass jars right by the register and people would just grab them. And it became a big favorite among a lot of patients.
0: Oh, yeah. So it was kind of like this like chewy, were they little bite sized caramels like yeah, those up? Yeah, this big.
1: And oh, they were in like two bites.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two bite kernels. <laughs> I can do it with one bite.
2: Most will probably take you two bites.
0: Yeah, and then this was—I mean, because this is 2013, so it's before all of the true regulation. So you'd have kind of the flexibility of figuring out, you know, different types of collectives to be in, and really talking to patients a lot more.
2: Sure, and there was a lot of mom and pops in the industry. Of, yeah, because you could just make a product in your kitchen. Yeah, and or then just wrap it at it. your dining room table and yeah. go out and start selling it. It was the yeah. Favorite um cottage industry like that
0: at that time oh yeah the
1: candies were 120 milligrams oh
0: my (laughs) that helped a lot of people oh my gosh I think I would have been like (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's
2: probably why they were so popular
0: yeah (laughs) totally I remember I had it was probably 2014 2015 somebody made some cool Cheetos and it was just like, the yeah, yes, and so like the evolution of that, of the products is just so interesting, especially like with the compliance coming, you know, in and more kind of robust and requiring a lot of kind of changes. So, so 2013, you kind of dip your toes in cannabis and cause you'd been working on, you'd been doing a lot of kind of philanthropy, though, as well, right? In your former, in your former life, helping a lot of people on Skid Row and doing all of that. And I read somewhere that that's kind of also where you recognize that cannabis was helping a lot of people. Yeah,
2: definitely. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, that's exactly, that's what, what had happened. Um, we um, were working on Skid Row. Were there, what, seven or eight years, something like that? Yeah. Um, And then we had a shelter that housed uh, 70 men and 30 women, Mm -hmm. Um, but then there were issues with structural issues um, with the building, from um, prior earthquakes or cracks Mm. in the foundations. The city said the building could be used for warehouse purposes, but you couldn't have people living there because there was actually structural unfit. We weren't able to find another building. That was within the zone, so we found ourselves sort of after seven years of working with this with <laughs> no job and, yeah. and yeah. no money because we gave all our money to, to you know help the homeless. So everything we were nonprofits, everything that yeah. came we went right back. So, yeah. so we got no money, and then we decided um, cannabis was such a good fit for us because yeah. we figured we could do something and and make money and at the same time help people. Yes, We were interested in helping people. Before we went to Skid Row. Uh, we ran a daycare for um, low-income and disabled kids in Detroit. Oh, wow. And we went to Skid Row. So we always wanted to do something to help. And yeah. again, yes. yeah. we thought cannabis was a great way to do it because we could um, generate an income for ourselves and at the same time be doing something that's good that's helping people.
0: Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, that. I think, it, I mean, it, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you want to have that passion that it's not just dollar bills coming in. Like, you want to see something. Sure. You know, yes. Some okay. aspect of passion. So you start this idea. So could you walk us through just a little bit about you know coming up with the caramel 2013? You're like, okay, let's do this. Like, how was that? Like first year or two? It was crazy.
1: I had to be up like all hours of the night making these caramels, and you have to wrap them in wax paper and then wrap them with a sticker. So everything had to be done twice. Mm-hmm. And all of these orders. <laughs> it was crazy samples we were able to give really away busy. uh yeah. 30 milligram samples uh we for 420 and we'd be up for like two days straight like it was crazy <laughs> it was
0: fun <laughs> oh my gosh that's so crazy yeah i mean it was the wild west then yeah. it really was so i mean for you guys was that was it kind of just building and building and building on that so getting kind of your kind of systems dialed in and helping more people like each year was how did the company kind of evolve year on year before, like I guess before regulation hits.
2: Yeah. Before regulation. So our caramels were a big hit. So we had um, business in a lot of different dispensaries Mm -hmm. and we just kept on adding on more products as we made connections in the industry and through friends of ours. So we started selling concentrates Mm -hmm. Then we started with uh, the vape pens. Now we had three different products. We had concentrates, uh, shatters, uh, vape pens, and caramels all at the same time. So we kind of developed our own little uh, portfolio through our network of friends and people we knew in the industry. And um, we had friends who made concentrates. We had friends who made vape pens. And just kind of all worked together. to. uh, um, And then we worked to try to bring the brands into the dispensaries to Mm do sales, to do um, – The branding, the marketing, and that's kind of uh, our forte.
0: Yeah. And then when, so when did the concept of like, when did you kind of get attuned to the ocean and just kind of changing, I guess not changing the mission, maybe if speaking the mission about um, wanting to kind of help with ocean, like our oceans and the environment, like how's that kind of, when, when did that start playing in?
2: So that kind of evolved um, over time and it kind of evolved with the, uh, legal market and the okay. uh, regulations with the legal market. So our brand, um, we had a vape pen brand called Ocean mm-hmm. in uh, the medical market, um, and we named it Ocean just because we, we love <laughs> we're like, we, we loved the ocean. We came out for, uh, to California from Detroit the first time. I remember, mm-hmm. we went down the, the ocean, and Mary saw the ocean for the first time, and she actually started crying because it was like just overwhelming, <laughs> just, just so like, like, such just a beautiful, yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: so strong.
2: We love the ocean, but then they, with the compliance, yeah, um, or the legalization and stuff like that, there became a lot more compliance and regu- regulation issues. So the packaging became more cumbersome because you needed something that was child-resistant. You needed yeah. something that was tamper-evident. Most mm-hmm. things. There's a lot of information that has to go on the package, and all that stuff's great stuff because it helps protect people, helps keep people safe. You know what you're buying, especially with the uh vape crisis that have gone on recently you want something that's tamper evident and you know what you're getting so that's all good stuff but what mm-hmm. it does is it creates um a lot of waste in the industry and the first package it was, was so big and cumbersome <laughs> trying to fit everything on it we We're like, man, this is ridiculous uh, and that's kind of how it evolved um, and um just looking for um, creative ways that we could be mm-hmm. compliant with the regulations, um, but at the same time not adding to this huge waste problem in the cannabis industry. Uh, and a lot of people in the cannabis industry, I mean, it's a known thing. It's a big waste problem. There's oh, yeah. so many regulations and boxes and jars and caps and and child-resistant tubes and these tubes and labeling requirements. It creates a lot of waste. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how the whole ocean thing, we started looking um, for uh, different ways we could do that. And then we found um, the people at Santa Packaging, mm-hmm. Ocean Works, and what they were doing with cleaning the ocean and making um, this, this plastic that and child-resistant and everything like that that's out of this o- – the plastic that's been pulled out of the ocean. We're like, oh, my gosh, we have to this do is this. great. This yeah. is like exactly uh, just fits with our brand. It yep. fits who we are. With, and it's like yeah. not only can we help people – through cannabis but at the same time we can do something good for environment and we were like percent. Yeah, sure.
0: yes well i so i started doing all this research i mean like after i got that press release and then i was like okay i need to l- just learn a little bit more because last year i feel like that's when the world like acknowledged a little bit louder like hey we've got an environmental crisis <laughs> like a problem And I was just, I mean, I think there's such a big misconception about plastic in general. Like, oh, I'm recycling my water bottle and that's really great. And I just put it in my recycling bin and it's like going to be just recycled into something. And even like on your website, it seems like you guys are pretty attuned to it. It's like, I got one stat from your site. 95% of the plastic that is used is a one-time use.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's crazy.
0: It's so crazy. And then what's interesting, I'm just curious, you know, with sauna and the packaging and kind of what your thoughts are, is that I also found out that plastic is, if you're just creating it, it's created out of uh, fossil fuels.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: Right? But what you guys are doing is like you're repurposing the actual plastic, which obviously is the best way to do it. But it's, it's more costly. And I feel like that's maybe why other businesses don't do it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And we, you know, we don't care. <laughs> we would rather do them no, you
0: them. can't. I think that's the point, right? <laughs> like,
2: ours more than, uh you know, if you go in, ours is the same price as something that doesn't use the yeah. other, every other brand. But if we can do good, even if we make a little bit less, it's. it's
0: that's it's, our commitment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think. I, I mean, I look at your company as a way that companies need to start thinking, right? Like, I mean, also on your on your site, by 2050, if we don't do anything, we're going to have more plastic in the oceans than fish.
2: That's crazy, right? It's
0: like, yes, it's like you, you say the statistic, and then you're like, whoa, like, that's just really, really depressing. There, there's
1: a the amount of plastic that's dumped into the ocean. It's like, Uh, a whole garbage truck filled with plastic every minute there's so much and it's like it's a very abundant resource and we need to all start really thinking about this and utilizing this resource that we have
0: Mm -hmm. have you guys done you know being involved um, in the industry for such a long time have you you know patrick i saw you in an interview or read an interview about the vape crisis so i definitely want to talk about that but are you involved in lobbying like have you just about packaging and i was just even thinking before i got you on like are there any discussions about giving credit to cannabis businesses that are doing you know packaging like you are Hmm. at the state level you know what i mean i haven't really thought
2: about that (laughs) yeah i haven't thought about that either but yeah that would be great um we're not really involved in any um lobbying efforts at this point yeah
0: that's
2: something we like to get into um the whole switch from the medical to yes. uh, to the recreational market has been uh, extremely busy. So yes. we've been uh, just trying to navigate the, the whole that whole seas.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Well, talk to me about it because, you know, so I guess just to recap, I've always done most, most of my stuff about California, but just to recap for listeners. So 2018 is when both medical and adult use in California, really the implementation of the regulation started. California has local and state licensing and there's a crippling tax for cultivators as well as dispensaries. And so it's originally, I mean the system was set up unfortunately to not be successful at first, I think. Right. And so businesses, like I think about you guys, I'm like, how are you doing it? Like this is such a, you're, you're going uphill. Yeah. Right. And so, how what kind of you know, not to complete like not complaining, but like what how are you guys doing? Like how is that? Like you're you must be so busy, like talk to us about this.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, we just keep going. We're not gonna yeah, give yeah. up. No, I'm gonna... <laughs> we just <laughs> not stop we just keep going. Good. One of the most important things if you just don't give up and you keep going and keep going, you finally get there. Yeah. You know, we just say, you know, if we can uh, just take one step forward every day. A year from now we will be 365 steps forward. Yeah. And instead of trying to do, um, you know, become the biggest brand in California mm-hmm. overnight, we're just focused on just keep going, keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and, you know, navigating all of the different obstacles um, as they come.
0: Yeah.
2: So, a lot of the things, one of the things that's been really difficult though is, uh, especially in the LA area, mm-hmm. the um, not regulating the illicit market, so there's a lot of illicit shops out there, and a lot of the consumers still they don't know. A lot of times you go into the shops, they look just like yeah. a legal shop that's down the street, and people will go in and buy stuff, and they don't even know. Yeah. Uh, all yeah, they know is that's a weed
1: store, and I can go in. it's cheaper. So you it, know it's gotta I mean? be legal, so, right? So.
2: Yeah, that's been a big problem. It's hurt a lot of the dispensaries. Mm-hmm. And in turn, it hurts a lot of the brands and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. our business has mostly been focused in LA. Um, oh, okay. Outlying areas around, you know, a little bit in Orange County and the IE and San Diego, and stuff like that. But most of our focus was in LA. Um, back when we were doing medical, um, there were so many shops in LA we had all the business we needed right there. I mean, we sure. just, you know, we were just the same thing, you know, we couldn't, we just kept, kept growing slowly. Um, but we didn't need to go to Northern California stuff like that. So we are um, making a big push to go statewide at this point too. Oh, okay. Um, so that yeah. helped help us a lot. So we've been uh, spending a lot of time really um, focusing on, getting the distribution networks and sales channels and mm-hmm. materials and all that stuff for the rest of California. We, yeah. uh, you know, 90% of our business right now is for, in LA. So yeah. that's kind of hurt us more than some of the other brands who may have been more spread out across the state. Um, because I, like I said, LA has been really lax on getting uh, the illicit shops or the illegal shops. Yeah. So
1: and
0: it's interesting. I mean, there's like so many things that I'm like, okay, we have to talk a little bit more about this, but if we could just like focus on illicit for a moment, I mean, it's true. You go into a shop as a consumer and you don't, you might not know. And then you go into, and then there's like a whole distribution network, right? I mean, there's a illicit supply chain that's happening and, you know, consumers are unaware. I think you just, you nailed it on the head. What is... I mean, do you think it's just enforcement that needs to happen or what do you think is the solution and is that salute, I guess, yeah, what is the solution and who, I think we know who's responsible to kind of perform the solution, but you know, what can we be doing collectively to, to change that? Um,
2: I think it's probably enforcement and education. Yeah. Um, because it is, uh, it, it is true that a lot of the products that you would get in the illicit shops you don't know what the the pesticides or chemicals mm-hmm. have been used you don't know what's in your vape cart uh you don't know what's in your edibles um, yeah. They're just not tested so even though it's been difficult and coming from both worlds we see that the um, recreational and the whole legal market being a good thing because it really makes it a lot more safe for the consumer yeah. and if the consumer mm-hmm. would realize hey you know this uh this jar of flour it uh, might be a little bit less expensive, but I don't know what they sprayed it with. I don't know what chemicals are. All the flour in the legal market is tested to parts per billion for mold, pesticides, um, uh, you know, every different type of um,
0: Heavy metals. I mean, the, 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 the testing, testing is so intense.
2: Is so stringent. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's difficult for us for sometimes from um, moving from the medical to this market Uh, but at the same time it's really good because it really 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 helps protect the consumer so when you go into a legal shop and you buy a vape cart you're not going to have to worry about what is in that 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 has been tested tested. um, with california has the most stringent testing um, in the world so um i think it i think it's both i think it's the enforcement and at the same time if you could really educate people, educate the consumers, and they could understand that, that would help a ton too. Mm-hmm. Because it's not worth it to save 5 or $10 if you're going to end up in the hospital um, or if you're going to be smoking lead and that.
0: I mean, it's just that I kind of wanted to do an episode just on the vape crisis in general, just to kind of, I think there was such a misconception by the media of like what really... I think a lot of people, if they just like first glance at, oh my God, there's this vape crisis, everybody's dying, it's cannabis, right? And they don't dive in a little bit deeper and like, no, there's actually like vitamin E oil and this is from an illicit market and these are the, the things that you need to watch out for. You know, there's such a, it's a, such a negative impact to the industry as a whole. And I, I mean, even in Oregon, I think the governor at one point was like, yeah, I think we, we might need to remove you know certain things from um, the dispensaries. What's been the impact? I mean, you know, we think about product portfolio. We think about all that kind of stuff. For you guys, when that happened, knowing that you do sell concentrates, knowing that you do sell vape pens, is it getting out there ahead of the game? And like, hey, well, this is just kind of what you said. We're getting this tested. You know that you don't have to worry. But you know, how did that? What was, What's a silver lining to the vape crisis for a vape company?
1: <laughs>
2: so what, what we actually hope that the benefit of that happening is that people are more educated now about the illicit vapes. So
1: mm-hmm. people are market. not... Yeah, yeah, the
2: whole illicit market in general kind of exposed a lot of that. Um, so although we did see... Um, our vape sales definitely decline during mm-hmm. that. We're seeing them start to go up. So our hope that as people start to realize like, hey, this is the vitamin E oil and this is the illicit market vapes and all that, then they will gravitate more towards the legal market and the market, the stuff that's been tested because uh, it can really be a health issue. So hopefully that that's the yeah. silver lining, yeah, for sure. that it pushes people more towards the legal market and away from the illicit market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then how are you guys, you know, I love your social media. Um, very engaging. Your website's very cool. Um, with, I've always found it very interesting, right, with the supply chain, how it is in California. You know, it's separated. Cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, unless you have a micro business, right? And then dispensary delivery service. And so it seems like it's just so hard for a brand that's like a manufacturer to have many touch points with consumers, right? To have kind of that education. How do you, how do you get to know your customers? How do you get to have those touch points? (laughs) (laughs)
1: I go into a lot of the stores Mm -hmm. Um, and do like staff trainings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do, I had done a lot of my own like um, in-store events so I get to – I love to talk to the patients and the bed tenders and just kind of educate them on our brand, um, our company, and yeah. just what we do and stuff. So that's really how I, – because I love to go in the stores. Yeah, she's all <laughs> talking with the
2: uh, yes. tenders and managers all the time.
1: Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Well, I think that's kind of ha- what you have to do. I mean, you have to be the voice <laughs> of the company. You have to sell. Yeah, definitely. So how do you split – you're a family-run business. Yes. So how do you split – And you've been married for 24 years, which is like so amazing that you can do business together, be happily married and be smiling right now. (laughs) Um, How do you split? I mean, like a cannabis business, you have so many different hats. You have so many different roles, right? What do you both do? How does, you know, how does that work? Well,
1: when we started, um, it was actually back in like 2015, I think Mm -hmm. it was, Um, or 2006. I started doing sales. I kind of stepped out of the role of... Um, actually making the caramels and Mm -hmm. our daughter stepped in and so she started making them Um, so that was really cool cool. (laughs) yeah and then our son would help us do like in store events and would help us with packaging and stuff so then I would go out and do sales so I would spend a lot of time in the stores doing the Mm event things like that Mm -hmm.
2: we did um, we've always been we just do whatever it takes to get it done, whether you know whatever it is, we don't care, we just do it. Yeah. if it's cleaning the kitchen and making caramels, if it's out selling, if it's uh, doing the, uh, the accounting or whatever it is, we just do whatever yeah. it needs to be done. But at this point we're to starting it. to gravitate more into a role where um, I'm doing a lot of the branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. Mary's doing a lot of the sales support for our sales team. So Mary's taking sort of the role of like a manufacturer's sales rep. Mm. She's out in the stores. She's with the reps. She's um, kind of taking that role and I'm kind of um, doing more of the branding and marketing at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: We have oh. Alex and the design team and, and that. So we started, yeah. um, But we've always just been the type of people who,
0: it's Whenever like whatever
2: happened, needs to be I done, just, you know, know,
0: on that one, just get it done and keep going. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I mean, when you have so many pots, right, you have to make sure that you're like moving them all the time because if one's just forgotten, that's going to affect the business. Sure, of course. Right? <laughs> well, and it seems like, yeah, if you're trying to kind of expand, which is just such a, I'm so excited for you guys and it's such a, a big feat, you know, like tackling California because the consumer is so different. Like the, Calif- the LA consumer is different than the OC consumer who's different than the Oakland consumer. Right. And so, you know, I'm curious, like if your branding and marketing kind of affects that and just like, even how Mary, like you're probably coaching your sales staff of like how to get in, because is it still like, is it harder now with regulation to get into dispensaries than it was before?
2: Uh, a ton. A ton, Really? <laughs> <No> way. <laughs> way
1: harder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah a
2: lot more difficult at yeah, this time but we hope that everybody in California loves the ocean and wants to help clean it up.
0: oh yeah, <laughs> no
2: matter where you're from, if you're in california we we love our environment, we love our state, we love our ocean, it goes all the way up the coast from Mexico to Oregon, so uh, that's how we want to connect with everybody in California' is do that ocean, and everybody kind of banding together, coming together, and um not only um getting high, having fun, smoking Mm -hmm. cannabis, but doing something good for the environment.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, And consumers, like there's the socially conscious consumer and that's who's actually growing every day. That's making their decisions who are okay. And if you're priced the same way, there's no reason why somebody doesn't actually purchase it. So that's very exciting. What are your goals? So we got 2020, new decade, new year. What is, you know, where do you want to be at the end of this year?
2: By the end of this year, Mm -hmm. we want to be um, throughout the entire state of California. So like I said, we want to span from like LA, Southern California, throughout all of the state. And then uh, we also want to then start expanding um, into other states, because that would be our goal to be in uh, multiple states that have recreational uh, and medical uh, cannabis programs in their state. So that's our goal. <laughs> that's a good
0: one. That's a good one. maybe take it to Michigan. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Right. Cause I think if you could do Michigan, because what's so cool is then you're, I mean, there's a huge aspect, I think in cannabis and being from California of just brand, the brand identity, what we have to offer all of that. And you know, even Canada, I, doesn't have as many good brands. And so being able to cuz it seems like you've got your system down, right? Like you've got your products, you seems like manufacturing, you know, you figured that out, the portfolio, the product mix. And when you focus on sales and marketing, so much of it's, you know, getting it's the system that you have, right? And so then being able to, you know, if you can get California from bottom to top, I have no worry except you know patients with regulation um that it wouldn't be too hard to get into other states
2: no yeah no we agree sure yeah because california is the big one yeah if you can be a well known recognized brand in california and expanding into michigan illinois you know uh nevada arizona the other states um it definitely goes a lot easier for sure so that's why we're kind of focused on uh, California first is one step at a time. Yeah,
0: because so. <laughs> yeah, it's resources, right? Because when you're small, you have to really focus. You have to prioritize on like, of course, like, my, like the whole goal is like everyone in the world needs to know about it. But you have to like, like you said, I love the quote, like just take those baby steps. And then in one year, you're 365 steps, right? Like you have to take those, um, those little bits. Mary, a question for you. You're at the dispensaries. You're talking to consumers. Like, what have you noticed? Like, any trends that you've noticed from the last year or two?
1: Um, there's just such a more of like a wide variety of people that you see coming into the stores. Really? Yeah. Like, you know, elderly people. Like, is you know, just people soccer moms. Like, just really. Just it runs the whole gamut of like more who's women. coming in. Yeah, more women. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's really cool. Like I loved. I've gone into dispensaries, and it's. I I went into this one in Orange County, and there was a whole busload of seniors <laughs> coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I- Wait, <laughs> they got off the bus.
1: Yeah, they're
0: ah! coming to the dispensary. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing, right?
1: <laughs> And people just using cannabis to.
2: You didn't see that before. No, though. no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's really cool, just to see like so many different types of people coming. Yeah, in, using cannabis and uh, helping them just to feel better. Tourists, yeah,
2: people from uh, people from all over, all, this, over, uh, the all, world, all over the world, actually. Yeah,
0: in. That's pretty cool, especially if you could somehow like capture their information, because that to me is like the one of the not easiest ways, but such a great way to kind of build brand awareness, right? Because if somebody's coming from, I mean, Canada, but like, let's say Japan or something like that, clearly they can't take the cannabis back, but like just having that experience, then they go tell their friends like, oh, I had the best time.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, really
0: cool. Me mm-hmm. And then have you been to, because of the event license, like have, what's it like right now? Like 2019, 2020, I mean, I guess we're one month in 2020, but I thought, two really cool things that California had to offer was there's this event license where they did like um, kind of like outside lands, like up in the Bay area last year, but like this whole kind of like cannabis thing that was not just like your high times cup, but like this experience. Have you been to any of these or any thoughts or like any information that you your consumers have been to or your partners have? Uh,
2: the new ones are, since the legal market, we've been to the Hall of Flowers.
0: Yeah. How is that one? So, so cool. Yeah, that was great. We like
2: yeah, really that cool. yeah. yeah, very much. We're very much impressed with the event, with the people who put it on. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, one of the unique things about that event is the first day of the event is only for uh, buyers and dispensary uh, managers. Uh, yeah. So I think each dispensary only gets a certain amount of tickets for the event that they can uh, send people to. So um, it's very industry. That's good. The second day yeah. of the event, everybody can come. Yeah. Really?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, but yeah, no, that was a great event. It was really well put together. Um, and But that's the only one that we've been to so far Yeah. Uh, since the legalization. Yeah. And last we would go to like the High Times Cannabis Cup salons. Yeah, would, like, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. And they still have those, but I haven't been to – Um, any of the recent ones.
0: Yeah. Well, I I prefer like the ones that are innovative, right? That are kind of like capturing experiences or if you're a business owner, like you actually can do business there because some of the ones, like the ones in Vegas, like the bigger ones, the key are much more to... The people that are new to cannabis. And I feel like a hollow of flowers, like if you're in the supply chain, that's great because you can meet people that can help you in your business, right? Um, have you checked out any of the cafes that have been in LA? The- uh,
2: there's only been one, I think, that's there's opened that's up so far. Yeah.
1: Haven't
0: we haven't been there, there yet. No. Well, I moved from LA to Portland for the last year. So it's been oh. I was I came back to LA a few times in 2019. And then I'm moving to France in a week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really excited. So, you know, interesting enough, like next time we connect, I'll have much more information about like the French and the European kind of cannabis scene, but it's definitely not where the US is at, but it's catching up in a very interesting way. Cool. That's a
2: big move, right? That I is. Know, <laughs> Portland. Yeah, that's a huge move. That's
0: great, though. I'm excited. I'm excited. I was thinking, you know, at one point, how cool would it be to, like, you know, help brands? Because I love tourism. I love international. So I was like, how could I get brands? Like, at one point, it's not, it's not evolved enough, like, the whole system um, there. But how could I get U.S. brands to Europe? And wow. trying to figure out that. Because I think at one point, it could be a very interesting Niche, and I think it could help a lot of brands. So that's kind of one of my goals. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Yeah.
2: Eventually, I think the cannabis industry will go, um, you know, federally legal and then even, you know, across the world where brands can, uh, you know, be all across the world. That
1: would be great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, it would be so great. So, 2020, one one more question before I get to the speed round. Um, It's an election year. And obviously, you know, whoever you're voting for is whoever you're voting for. Have you paid attention as cannabis business owners to um, what some of, and we don't know who the Democratic nominee is going to be, and somebody is taking on Trump from the Republican side, but have you paid attention to who is, like, the cannabis policy or the, or, yeah, or ideas that some of these uh, candidates have?
2: Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, and then, uh, but, but not too much. It seems like most of the candidates seem to be pretty for yeah. federal legalization. Um, but. Uh, um,
0: do you think that, I, I agree. Do you think that, when do you think cannabis will be federally legal? Not like that. When do you think cannabis will be federally legal in the U.S.? A lot of
2: it depends on uh, the election right so yeah i mean um but yeah most most of the candidates or, or candidates seem to be pretty for federal legalization um mm-hmm. Joe biden has seemed to have been the one who's like seemed to be the the least for that at least yeah. um um quickly um but i guess it depends i guess we have to see what happens in 2020 that yeah. would After that happens and you ask me the question, I have a better answer. Okay.
0: Okay. No, it's totally true because, I mean, we know the writing's on the wall. It's just, I had always said, I mean, even 2016, I was like, oh, 2023. That was like my bet. I was like, that's when it will become federally legal. Uh I don't know. I hope that it's around that time just because there's so many things that, you know, with 280E and just you can't travel across state lines and we're crippled by so many things because it's federally illegal right banking all that stuff so i'm like oh what will the industry be That's Huge, That's right it's gonna be huge when it happens
2: are you still betting on 2023
0: why not no one's I, I don't have any money on the table <laughs> <laughs> okay are you ready for the speed rounds
2: Okay. What's the okay. speed round?
0: The speed round is not scary at all. Um, and I kind of, I haven't done a podcast interview for a year. So I'm getting back into it. So I don't have the memorized anymore, but it's just to get to know you. I don't want you to think too much about it. Um, whoever wants to answer can answer. And it's much more about you and your why. And maybe I even asked you one of the questions of the speed round. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. It's not like who, what your favorite food is or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have such a lofty goal, right? I, I love the goal. You are so determined. I can see it through kind of just this interview. What keeps you going when times are tough?
2: Mary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, just knowing that, you know, we have this goal and we want to help save the ocean and really make an impact on the marine life and our environment and all the climate change. And that really helps to keep me going when it's hard because knowing that we can do this, we can make a positive impact and have a great business.
2: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. That we can do something better than just, we're doing something better for the world than just making money.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Yes. What is one piece of advice you wish you had known when starting your business?
1: <laughs>
2: Mary?
0: Um. Oh.
1: I don't know. <laughs> what do
2: you think? I was gonna say how hard it how hard it was, but then it's like that's something I probably wouldn't want to know because I might yeah. not have done it. <laughs> how hard it was.
1: <laughs> knowing that you know, just to keep going, like even though that's hard, and I would say knowing how
2: the how some of the legal market was gonna ha- hash out, um, nobody knew. Everyone was kind of just like, okay, we're gonna kind of hedge our bets here, hedge our bets here, hedge our bets, try to try to make it from. The medical to the recreational, and uh, to know like 2020 how some of that was going to play it out, I yeah. made some decisions,
0: yeah, but exactly. nobody knew; we
2: just had to guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we talk about work-life balance, and entrepreneurs—it's hard for us to find. No, for sure. a family-owned business—I bet it's a little bit harder. <laughs> what do you do that gets you outside of thinking about business? Go to the gym. Yeah,
1: go to the gym. Spend time at the beach. Spend time <laughs> Yeah, those are the two, big, are the things. two big things
0: yeah. for us. Oh, those are some really good ones. I think that that helps us. It moves the energy. It makes us feel alive and vibrant. It gets rid of stress. It's uh, yeah. it's needed.
1: Yes, yep. it is definitely.
0: Well, that was a speed round. Do you guys want to share anything else before Great. we end?
2: Um, Mary.
0: Um,
1: I just am uh, excited to like get the word out there and get people, to, you know, people to know that what we're doing and to help support that
0: yes and how can they find you on instagram we're at ocean
1: cannabis co um website and our website ocean cannabis yeah.
0: so, very cool yep. yeah thank you guys so much i'm so like thank you for taking the time and continue the good mission and the good fight and let's connect before the end of the year
1: okay yeah, for, for sure, sure. yeah sounds, sounds great, great. Mm-hmm.
0: all right listening to today's show. This is your host, Simone Similuka-Radzins of Calagia.com. I hope that you find this episode entertaining and insightful. My goal is to educate all of you about this exciting business because knowledge is power. If you haven't already, head on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and to meet other business leaders in the professional cannabis community. Also, if you like this, please go into iTunes and leave the Cannabis Business Minds podcast a five-star review.